Let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2 this evening. Colossians chapter 2. We've been on a series on the preeminence of Christ. Of course, the text verse in the entire book is Colossians 1 verse 18, that in all things he might have the, that's Christ, might have the preeminence. And we looked at verses 23 through 29 in uh, last Wednesday night, of course, we looked at four secrets to openly know. We talked about the gospel in verse 23, the angelion, it's div- it's a, this divine loyalty to the gospel, a deepening loyalty, a determined loyalty, a dispensational loyalty, and a doctrinal loyalty, we said. And then we looked at the word the church, the word ecclesia in verse 24, and we talked about the church in the local sense, which is the vast majority of the times we find the word church in the Bible. It's the local New Testament body, visible body of Christ, and uh, which, uh, this happens to be one of them, Harvest Baptist Church. And then we looked at the word dispensation. We'll look at that much more in the series of lessons in uh, Sunday school, or I should say life application, life groups that we're going to start in September 27th. And uh, we'll deal with dispensational theology. You say, preacher, that's way above me. It's, it's really not that hard. It's, uh, we'll try to make it real simple so we, even the the uh, most elementary person can understand the difference between dispensational theology and covenant theology. God has different house rules for different periods of time and different uh, uh, requirements for different periods of, uh, again, a- different ages, of course. And then we looked at the word, the word mystery. We'll look at it again tonight here, verses 26 and 27. The mystery is uh, just uh, something, it's a truth that's previously hidden. It's mysteries not to God's people, but uh, uh, mysteries are not meant to reveal truth, but to conceal truth from the uh, unregenerated. Uh, and we'll look at this tonight here in regards to the superiority we have in Jesus Christ. Verses 1 to 10, I, we already stood, so I'm going to let you remain sitting. Let's read, if we could, verses 1 through 10 uh, responsively tonight. And you can be remain seated. Let me read verse 1. Read the five even-numbered verses with me, please. Colossians 2, 1 through 10, and reading responsively. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying in beholding you, your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. If we have a text verse, I suppose it would be verse number 10, the last, the first phrase of the verse. And ye are complete in him. We're going to look at the, the, the completeness in Christ alone, the superior, superiority of those in Jesus Christ. 
we have one up on our unsaved counterparts. We have, a, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And uh, we want to look at this truth of experiencing the truth. Verses 1 through 7 here tonight. Three things about experiencing the truth. First of all, I want you to consider about the, the truth about Christians here tonight. And let's begin, if we could, in verse number 1 again. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, Paul said, to these, this church at Colossae and this, this neighboring church about 20 miles up the street from them, uh, Laodicea. And as for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, uh, we are, first of all, he says, I, I would that ye knew what great conflict. The word, the word conflict has the idea of battle. And I want, to, want you to know tonight that in regards to Christian, the truth about Christians is that we are engaged in a battle, in a common battle. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation field, a fighting, not a game. You know, a lot of people think Christianity is just uh, fun and games. It's just uh, it's just uh, um, a bed of roses that everything's wonderful once you come to know Christ as Savior that we're the sheep of the, his pasture and that's there's a lot of truth in that of course a large body of truth there but we're also soldiers in an army there's a battle going on and First uh, Timothy 6.12 in fact I heard it today and uh, it's uh, interesting of course it's a very common ism that's said by many people that well meaning and I believe many people think it's true but uh, no war is a good war that all wars are bad or all wars are evil. That's not true. That's, you say, how do you know that? The Bible tells us, in fact, I want you to turn, if you would, please, go back to or a few pages beyond to 1 Timothy. Look at the verses, please, with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Are all wars evil? We're engaged in a war. Now, are all wars evil? Well, look what the Bible says. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 12. Somebody nice and loud read that for us. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. There are good fights. And uh, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at another verse. Verse number 7. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. Not a bad fight. Not an evil fight. Not a sad fight. But a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There's a, there's a battle between good and evil. There's a battle between right and wrong. And uh, all wars are not bad. Some wars are good. I love the. I remember watching Billy Graham. I've used the illustration many times. He was being interviewed by Chris Matthews. And uh, the, the war was going on. Going back 15, 20 years ago. One of the, the Iraq war, I guess it was. And uh, he was saying. Uh, Chris Matthews was baiting uh Billy Graham and he said uh, something to the effect that oh, this war is bad and, and Billy Graham looked around and I said some wars save lives and when we uh, don't have time for a long history lesson but boys and girls here if you're teenagers here I want you to know that when we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki we saved lives right. uh, 100,000 people died in that terrible horrific event but anybody that knows anything about World War II knows that we would have lost many more lives, including Japanese lives, had we not uh, put an end to things, and the Japanese never would have surrendered. So there's, we need to exterminate. The devil is going to be destroyed one day. He's going to be cast into hell forever and ever and ever, and that's going to be a good uh, conclusion to a, the, the holy war that we're fighting. And so I want you to consider tonight that according to the word of God, these Colossians, Paul said... We're engaged in a common battle. We're in a conflict. 
the controversy of the ages, the conflict of the ages, right and wrong, good and evil, right, uh, heaven and hell, God and Satan. Then I want you to notice something else about Christians. Uh, look at the latter part of verse number, excuse me, verse number two, the first part, that their hearts might be, might be comforted. Boy, there's a lot of turmoil in this world. We need to have comfort, don't we? Uh, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. We are experiencing the truth about Christians in regards to the fact that we are engaged in a common battle. We're in a battle, yes we are. But secondly, we are, incur we are encircled in a common bond. A common bond. We're in Christ. Back to verse 28 of uh, the previous chapter. Whom we preach, Paul said, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. We have a common bond. We're in Christ. We're in, we're, we're in Christ, we're in him, and we're in God. In John chapter 17, verse 22, for time's sake, we won't turn there, but Jesus prayed in the garden. He said that they all may be one as we are one. Now, we'll never be God. We're God's children. God the Father and God the Son are one in substance, of course, in uh, entity, in the, in the fact that there is, he is God, one God manifest in three persons. But it's also talking about the oneness and unity. And we talked about it, we touched on it Sunday morning in Ephesians chapter 4, about the unity that's in, that God desires for his body, for his church, for his believers in Christ. We got uh, whatever we have, 18, 19, 20 of us, whatever it is tonight here, and then the rest of the church body here, of course, 137 or so uh, adult members on the membership roll, of course, and a lot of those we haven't seen for several months, as we know, and so forth. But God wants us to have unity and be in one bond, to one, one with another, being uh, bond in Christ. And he is the glue, if I could use that phrase. He is in, in the Holy Spirit of God we have that oneness, that one spirit that Ephesians 4 talks about. So we are one in him. In fact, we touched on it again Sunday. One body, it says one Holy Spirit, one Lord, one Jesus Christ, one God and Father. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, I believe it is. So we are encircled in a common bond. We have this bond in Christ, in, in God, and in the Spirit. We have this common battle that we're fighting against, this great conflict. But then I want you to consider the truth not only about Christians, but secondly this, this evening, uh, the truth about Christ. Now he's speaking to these, he's rebutting these Gnostics that have crept in and unawares into the church and are denying the deity of Jesus Christ, that matter is, all matter is evil, that there's no way that Christ could be God. It's an early form of Arianism, the doctrine, that, the false doctrine, the teaching that that uh, Jesus uh, was uh, created, the first created being of, of God Almighty, and that uh, he's not God, that he was just a manifestation of God. No, in Christ, we have everything, of course. And Paul wants to let these believers know that they're not second-rate in any ways. In fact, the Gnostics are second-rate to them. But first of all, verse number two, the latter part of the verse it says, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now I want you to turn once again, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy 3. I want you to see this verse, seven, eight pages away. 1 Timothy 3. 
We've used that, we talked about that mystery, that word mystery, of course, last week too. We saw in the previous chapter, mysterion, it's a transliteration. Mysteries of the word of God, there's many mysteries of God's word here. There's mysteries of, uh, there's sacred secrets in Matthew 13, 11. There's the kingdom of heaven, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. There's the mystery of the fullness of the Gentiles, Romans eleven twenty five. There's the mystery of the gospel, Romans 16, 25 and 26. There's the mystery of the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4. There's the mystery of iniquity, uh, the, the, the stranglehold of sin, that people are in the bondage of sin, they don't even know it. And uh, the mystery of the coming iniquity and the coming antichrist, the mystery of Babylon in Revelation 17. There's a lot of mysteries in the Bible. But I want you to notice in 1 Timothy chapter 3, this is one reason why we use the King James Bible, by the way. Notice verse number 15. But if I tarry long, or excuse me, verse 16 it is. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now who is that talking about specifically? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the newer versions... The NIV, the SCV, and so forth says he who was manifested in the flesh. That changes the whole dynamic of the verse, does it not? He, no, it's, the Bible says that God was manifested in the flesh. And there's a, there's a textual battle that's been raging for the last 120 years, 140 years now, since West Cotton Horde devised what's called the critical text in 1881. I don't have time, I don't want to get too deep in that. But uh, they changed it. They used a process... They took that word God, theos, and they said that word theos in the Greek language, theology. We get our word theos, or theology, from the word, it's the word God. And they changed the theta, the T-H, the theta, to a uh, omicron, to a hos, or an O, we would know it as an O. And they said the theos is not a theos, the theos is an O. They used what they called a process called conjectural emendation, a fancy word is verbiage is saying they made an educated guess. Those two Anglican bishops made an educated guess, and they saw a little letter about a quarter inch high on a Sinaiticus manuscript, and they couldn't see a little thin line between the between this 1,700-year-old manuscript in the middle of the O, which would make it a theta. They said it must be a O, it must be an Omicron, Omicron which would change the whole word to who or he, a personal pronoun instead of uh, the word God, of course, and I know I probably got a little bit too deep with some of you here, but some of you have heard this before. The Bible says, greatest mystery of God is God was manifest in the flesh. What would be the mystery if, if a man came, Jesus came to this earth and he was uh, touched and anointed by God, but he wasn't God? That, that's, not, that's not so mysterious. You and I, are, we've been touched and anointed by God, but we're not God. But there's one only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ. And so the verse goes on to say, verse 16 of 1 Timothy 3. Greatest mystery of God is God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on in, on, in, unto the Gentiles, believed, up on, uh, believed on the, uh, in the world, and received up into glory. The death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. But the great mystery is that God was manifest in the flesh. You quoted with me, John 1.1. 1, 1, in the beginning was the what? Word. And the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God in the RK in the very beginning so back to our text here back to Colossians 2 Christ is seen first of all in an, in an increasing way we haven't 
you've heard many messages. So I've heard many messages. I've preached hundreds of messages myself on the person of Christ. But do we know Christ like we need to know him or like we are going to know him? He's, uh, the songwriter said, more about Jesus would I know. More about Jesus would I uh, learn. More of his holy will discern. More of his uh, fullness, uh, whole, full increase. I can't quote the verse here. More of his lo- the coming Prince of Peace. And so we have this, we know him in an increasing way. In fact, 1 John 3, 2, the Bible says that we may, that the one day, let me just, let me read it. I can't quote it all of a sudden here. I thought I could quote it. 1 John 3, 2 says these words about increasing in our knowledge and wisdom of Christ. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We're the sons of God now. Are we born again believer in Christ? And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> I was just talking to June Battistoni. June's had probably 200 operations, literally, probably more than that. She's the most operated person in my, I've known in my entire life. She's going to have a wrist surgery again for the third time, just a wrist uh, here coming up here. June's got a lot of body aches and pains and so forth. And uh, I told her about my current maladies, of course, and we were, she, was, she was all concerned about me. And I said, no, June, I'm not doing near as bad, no offense, as you are. <laughs> and she says, uh, we were kind of talking and joking with each other about the fact that one day we'll be in Christ and all the former pain and things will be passed away. And uh, we'll look forward to, I mean, can you talk about having a body like Jesus Christ and a, a mind like Jesus Christ? We can't even begin to fathom that. And so... In this increasing way, we're becoming more like Jesus. We shall behold him. We shall be like him. But then verse number three, we've got to hurry along back to Colossians 2, verse 3. In whom, that's Jesus Christ, the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice that... Think about Christ in an inexhaustible way. The key word is inexhaustible way. I've been to the library. Anybody been to the library in Congress in, in Washington, D.C.? I've been to D.C. 20, 25 times in my life, probably more than that now. Pass through there oftentimes. We usually stop in. And, and uh, one day I was down there. Somehow it was one of those rare times where I was by myself and I was going to go all the places as fast as I could that I could go to that... Uh, that I always miss. We always go to the, you know the big five or six or things, you know the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington, all the the regular main attractions. But I went to the Library of Congress. Anybody been to the Library of Congress? I wanted to have it put it on the screen. It is one of the most grandiose buildings. To me, it's far more grandiose than the Capitol building itself, Library of Congress. And you walk into it. I was going to put it on the screen. I should have forgot to tell you guys to get a picture of the Library of Congress. It's massive. It's like six stories high on the inside. And it's literally hundreds of thousands of books. It's hard to describe. And it's just, it's just, it's absolutely pristine, beautiful, gorgeous. And I'm thinking hundreds of thousands of books. You couldn't read those books in a thousand earthly lifetimes. You couldn't read those, the, the books that are on the shelf. You go into the, they have Jefferson's library there at the library conference, Thomas Jefferson's library. That alone would fit in this room here, hundreds and thousands of books. And uh, it's just astounding. And, uh, they say, and this is an illustration I pulled off from 20 years ago, this is a 20-year-old illustration, that every hour, a thousand pages of scientists discover new 
learning about all the isms that there is in the world, that they could write a thousand pages of an encyclopedia Britannica, an additional thousand pages every hour. Can you imagine that? In John, John chapter 21, verse number 25, somebody read that for us, the last verse of the Gospel of John, in regards to the inexhaustible Christ. How well do you know Jesus Christ? How many books have you read? Uh, how ignorant are you on a lot of subjects? I'm very ignorant on the vast majority of subjects. We just have just scratched the proverbial tip of the iceberg on most subjects that we're so-called experts in. And when it comes to Christ, who's got Clash, or John chapter 21, verse 25? Nice and loud. Just go ahead and start reading it, please. Come on, come on, read somebody. Amen. So, I mean, we have so much to learn. One reason heaven's got to be forever is because it's going to take us forever to begin to learn this, the, just, uh, just uh, the scratch a proverbial tip of the iceberg of the greatness and the knowledge and the wisdom and the love of Jesus Christ. In fact, Ephesians 3.19, if you want to write down another verse, the Bible says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. How many think you love like Christ loves? <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, oh, me, you know. Uh, how, many, how many love Christ tonight? Say amen. 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 We love Christ, but do we love him like we should? <laughs> do we love him like we can? We're, 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 are we are, are, as much as we're capable of? I mean, we're going to grow in Christ and love him with an inexhaustible love for all, ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it's incomprehensible. So to know Christ in an increasing way, in an inexhaustible way. Then verse number four, quickly. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you. That word beguile you is only found twice in the Bible. You with enticing words, Paul said. That word beguile, it's a fun word. It's paralogizomai. Let me say that again slow. Paralogizomai. Uh, you get the word logical from and para alongside of. And the word means to believe by false reason, by by a, a false comparison, by putting one truth, a false truth, alongside a real truth and uh, making it sound like it's superior. In other words, with enticing words or words of uh, science falsely so-called and philosophy, the philosophy, the philosophy of man, I didn't say that wrong, the philosophy of man that we read about in verse number eight that we're not going to get to tonight. But uh, notice this way, this in Christ, we learn about him in an increasing way, in an inexhaustible way, but in an invincible way. You see, there's philosophers and smooth talkers and the, Buddhist, the Buddhists of the world, the Confucius of the world, the, uh, all the great religions of the orators of the world, the Socrates of the world, and the, the, the uh, uh, Pythagoras of the world. They've all lived and they've all died and they're philosophies have come and gone and uh but jesus christ in his truth reigns forever no smooth talking philosophical gobbledygook can outwit the author of all wisdom in him is said all the wisdom of the ages all the treasures of knowledge are in him you ever uh you know <laughs> who doesn't have a problem with that i'm laughing i'm chuckling you know who doesn't have a problem with uh brain waves and thinking properly and so forth i mean can you imagine when we have our mind cleaned up and purified by jesus christ we, no, we can't imagine it. <laughs> it's going to be inexhaustible. It's going to be 
invincible, and we're going to be, and uh, Paul said it this way, I know whom I have believed in and persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And in Christ, we have everything. We're invincible in the fact that we're, we're saved forever and ever and ever. We'll, we'll have his, we have the inexhaustible knowledge of him and increasing in every way, become more and more like him on this earth and in the life to come. But verses 5, 6, and 7, notice uh, thirdly, the experience and the truth about Christians, experience and the truth about Christ, but experience and the truth about Christianity in general. Look at verse 5. For though, Paul said, I be absent in the flesh. Paul was in prison or Paul was uh, wherever Paul was at. He, he said, I, I'm absent from you. I can't be, well, you can only be one place at one time. The Gallows are going to be here tonight, but he's in there in Argentina tonight. Here, they're, uh, They went to Argentina by way of video, Skype, and uh, they're on, online. They're only an hour difference than us, I guess it is. And uh, so Brother Gallo's ministering on live uh, Facebook uh, feed, of course, right now at the same time. I guess at the same time as we are, I guess, in Argentina, I guess. But uh, uh, he's, uh, he's having church in Argentina virtuously. But uh, I want you to look at verse number six here. Let me give you the verse number five. Though I'd be absent from you in the body, yet I'm with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Paul wasn't there. He was hundreds of miles away. But he's with them in spirit. And notice that one thing about Christianity is it has life in a new dimension. You say, what do you mean by that preacher? Paul, let me just, or excuse me, John, the revelator. In Revelation 1, 10, 1, 9 and 10, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, where was Paul physically speaking? Or I keep saying Paul. John, physically speaking, at that time that he wrote the, the book of Revelation. Where was he at? Do you remember? Yeah, the Isle of Patmos. A little speck of an island out in the middle of the Mediterranean, just south of, uh, well, the, or the uh, uh, Corinth, of course, or rather uh, Greece, of course. And uh, he was there, and he was banished to the Isle of Patmos. So he was there in, there in body, history says that he had been boiled in a cauldron of hot oil. He was in a lot of pain and so forth, and the only disciple not to be martyred, receive a martyr's death. He only got, he got away by just being boiled in the oil and uh, survived it, evidently. And maybe he was even released and went to Ephesus. We don't know about that for a fact. But anyhow, uh, that's what some conjecture, some theologians think. But he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and he was carried away, remember? And he got to, into heaven, like Paul was in 2 Corinthians, he was carried away into heaven, into the heavenlies. And the Bible says, hang with me for a moment here. You know, we have a dimension the world doesn't know about. We're in the spirit. Ephesians 2.6 says that we're carried away, we're seated in heavenly places. It's a Bible study tonight. And, uh, you know, not, we didn't have high power, no offense. Eric did a great job, but we didn't have a high power music tonight. Uh, uh, so thrilling rapture was not so much tonight. <laughs> uh, just a small crowd. I've been in crowds of 7,000, 10,000 Christians, and, and uh, there's electricity in the air, we say. The Spirit of God, when you hear 10,000 people are singing Amazing Grace or what have you, uh, the rafters ring. And we're carried away in the Spirit, if you will. 
And uh, we, we live in a different realm. The natural man doesn't understand what we're talking about. We see not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. But we live in a different realm. Even though we're sitting in a Harvest Baptist Church on a Wednesday night at 744, and uh, uh, we're right here in New Hartford, Connecticut, we can be carried away in our spirit to heavenly places. We have a spirit that speaks to us, not just... Just are we being spoken to in the fleshly, physical sense, but we are spoken to in a spiritual sense. And so Christianity is life in a new dimension. Verse number six is life in a new direction. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We have a new direction. We don't just live for Jesus. Now there's an order, divine order here. Normally we see Jesus Christ our Lord, but here in, in this position Christ is in the emphatic position and uh, Jesus his earthly name is in the subsidiary position it's Christ Jesus there's a reason for that because in Christ he's the anointed one of God the the chosen one of God the one that came from heaven to to be our redeemer and our 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 savior and our sovereign of course and so he says we we are to follow Christ we're not just following Jesus, we're following Christ, Christ Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And just to put an extra dig into the Gnostics who denied that Jesus, they said that Jesus was, uh, uh, that he, he, he received the eminent uh, blessing of God upon his, uh, uh, upon his being, upon his baptism. And then when he, he it was left off at Calvary, when he went to the cross, they said he had a, a special anointing of the anointing being that of the Christ. The word Christ, Christos, means anointing. That he was anointed for during at his baptism, and then left at the at the cross. That's heresy. No, he's Christ Jesus, the Lord, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's he's the Lord, and so we have a new direction. We're to be followers, emphatic followers of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we don't, we, the name that's above every name. Then verse number seven, not only does Christianity have a life in a new dimension, not only flesh but in the spirit, it has life in a new direction. Christ is in an emphatic position. It's not Jesus Christ. And uh, so walking in him, it's Christ Jesus the Lord. And then verse number seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Notice two things about this life with a new distinction. First of all, there's abiding in Christ. And Jesus said, uh, we're rooted in Christ. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. There's a tree. I've been to, Sonny and I have been to, been many years now, but we've been to Death Valley twice out in California. And just north of uh, Death Valley, we haven't been there, but there's a, there's a, uh, uh, an ancient bristles cone pine forest. It's at about 9,000 feet elevation. They, there they had the oldest trees in the world. There's a tree that they said in 1957 that um, two arborists, I guess, uh, arb I believe they're arborists. Uh, I could give you their names. So I'm reading it here from good old Google. They found a tree, and I was going to get a picture of the Methuselah tree. They call it the Methuselah tree. They say it's 4,000. 789 years old. 4,700 is the oldest living thing 
on planet Earth, the Methuselah tree. It's it's uh, tangled, gnarled, and they, they somehow they able to deduce that from the root system, of course, and uh, this tree that has no 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 leaves on it, but it keeps on growing. Nothing. All the storms of life have, in, and all the tornadoes and the hurricanes and the bitter winters and the dry summers and so forth. Nothing to be able to kill that tree. Well, Paul said, "Hey." We don't take, as Christians, we don't take a second seat to anybody. We're rooted in Christ. If Christ be in you, we have the hope of glory. We, we have this, this no-so abiding in Christ that we can never, it's indestructible, it's immovable. And then not only are we rooted in Christ, but then he switches from an agricultural to an architectural idea. He says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Follow this train of thought here for a moment here. Built up in him. Jesus, uh, in my father's house, John 14, 1. In my father's house are what? Many mansions. Can you imagine how beautiful heaven is going to be? No, you can't. <laughs> I has not seen nor ear, heard nor entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him that love him. I love beautiful architecture. I love, I already mentioned the Library of Congress. There's some beautiful edifices in D.C. and around the world, there's some great cathedrals and so forth and great building structures. Can men, and men can build some incredible buildings and so forth. Can you imagine what God can build? Hey, he's, been, he's been building for 2,000 years. So I go to prepare a place for you, he said. Heaven's going to be beyond description, beyond imagination. I have not seen, nor ear hath heard, hath heard the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I remember, I never went to Disneyland, it's probably never go back now, but Disney World as a kid, but I got to go on as an adult. And I always loved the story because when I saw the Magic Kingdom, man, I was like, get my little kids away here, I want to see myself here. It was phenomenal, of course. And uh, I loved every part of Disney, Disneyland, I loved the Epcot Center and so forth. Man can do some incredible building, but think what God can build. Now hang with me. What's, what's greater, the building or the child of God? What's he building more? We're built up, we're built up in him. You think the heaven is just the, the greatness of heaven is going to be the buildings? No, the greatness of heaven is going to be the fact that we're his children and we're, we're his treasures. Built up in him is it says that we are uh, built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Heaven's going to be an incredible, beautiful place. The wise master builder has built, uh, can build some incredible buildings, but what is, what is he doing in our lives? I like the song, I won't torture by singing it. Someday I'll be able to sing it with perfect pitch. But uh, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. Now, aren't I beautiful tonight? Say, say amen. <laughs> you say, preacher, you're ugly. Sid, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. God's, gonna, God's created a new creature in Christ. He's making us, we, we, we have take second seat to no Gnostic. We take second seat to no movie star, Hollywood star, starlet, uh, whatever, a good-looking person in the world here. We're, we're, we're in Christ, and we're rooted and built up in him. And so, we have a we we have the superiority of being in Christ Jesus, and Paul says uh, we're complete in Him. And we get to verses, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks from now, we are complete in Him. Verse number ten, 
in him, for in him, verse number nine, we have dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When you get Jesus, when you have Jesus, you have it all. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, dear God, that in Christ, Lord, all our sins are forgiven. Lord, we thank you, Lord. I think I'm, I'm quite sure, as far as I know, humanly speaking, Lord, that I'm speaking to all Christians tonight, those that have received Christ as their Savior. Lord, we're completing you. Lord, we, have, uh, we still have a lot of physical maladies. There's a lot of things we don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know about you. There's a lot of, we, we love you, but not like we should, not like we will. And Lord, we, we, we experience you, but not like we will for all eternity. Oh Lord, heaven's going to be incomprehensible. Your love passes understanding. But dear God, help us to grow close to you, we pray, as uh, day by day may we draw, draw, draw us nearer and nearer, precious Lord, to your, their precious pleading side. May we be more, more like the master every day, we pray. Help us to walk in you. Dismiss us with thy blessing tonight, Lord, as we go our separate ways. And give us a great Lord's Day this coming Sunday. Lord, bring in me to hear the gospel preached. And we'll thank you for it. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.